please stand then for the call to worship. From Luke 24, 50 to 53. And he, Jesus, led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And let us pray together. O Heavenly Father, how we thank you for your faithfulness. You are the God of our salvation. There is no other hope for us in that what you have done in the Lord Jesus Christ as he came into this world in perfect obedience and righteousness and he gave himself at the cross to bear that penalty of sin that we could not. How we thank you. He is the risen and ascended Lord, the one who has gone to his throne in heaven who rules over all the universe and truly does what is right and good. And so may our hearts be lifted up in praise and honor to you. Yes, may we worship with great joy and uh, continually be praising and blessing you, our God. We thank you for all your faithfulness, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Do be with us. Help us to hear your word. Forgive our sins. Increase our faith. May we respond to you in faith and new obedience. We do pray for your glory through Christ our Lord in his holy name. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning tis now and ever shall be world without end Let us again confess the true Christian faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed, saying, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Now let's turn to hymn number 289, 289, a hymn of glory let us sing.
guess the eyes of the apostles saw him, the Lord Jesus Christ, ascend to his glory in heaven. We know he rules there for the good of his church until the day he comes again. The New Testament reading today, Revelation 12, verses 1 through 6. Revelation 12, starting verse 1, as John the Apostle saw it, a vision given by God. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, that they should feed her there 1,260 days. Well, quite a picture, of course, but it does speak, obviously, of Mary, who gave birth to Christ, the Christ child, and also that he was persecuted, that he uh, was the one who Herod sought to kill, even as a child, the one who won through all of his earthly life over sin and Satan, and then finally over death, being raised from the dead the third day. He was caught up to heaven to his throne. And what does the church do now? Well, we still have to face persecution and trouble and grief, tribulation in this world, but we can trust in him. And uh, yes, that 1,260 days speaks of a half of a half of seven years, a half of the time, That is the time of this world until Jesus comes again to bring his people to everlasting glory in the new heaven and earth. We may have confidence in him, of course, in life and in death, and serve him by his grace and spirit gladly. And from our Belgic Confession today, Article 12, page 877. Eight seventy-seven, Article 12, the creation of all things, especially the angels. We believe that the Father, by the word, that is, by his Son, has created of nothing the heaven, the earth, and all creatures, when it seemed good unto him, giving unto every creature its being, shape, form, and several offices to serve its creator, that he also still upholds and governs them by his eternal providence and infinite power for the service of mankind, to the end that man may serve his God. He also created the angels good to be his messengers and to serve his elect, some of whom are fallen from that excellency in which God created them into everlasting perdition. And the others have, by the grace of God, remained steadfast and continued in their first state. The devils and evil spirits are so depraved that they are enemies of God in every good thing to the utmost of their power as murderers, watching to ruin the church and every member thereof, and by their wicked stratagems to destroy all, and are therefore by their own wickedness adjudged to eternal damnation, daily expecting their horrible torments. Therefore we reject and abhor the error of the Sadducees who deny the existence of spirits and angels, and also that of the Manichees who assert that the devils have their origin of themselves, and that they are wicked of their own nature without having been corrupted." Well, yes, God made everything, including the angels, of course, and uh, as the Hebrews assures all believers, they are servants for the good, even for the salvation of God's people. They help us, even though they're unseen and so forth, typically, and uh, only in very rare occasions have they given any uh, appearance, have been given an appearance to God's people, and but yet they were all created good, as said here. Certainly they're not created of themselves. That would be, what, some kind of a demigod, something that could create itself. No, they were all holy, though Satan and his hosts fell 
uh, fell away from righteousness and therefore such wicked enemies as described here, wanting to fight against God always and against his people and would destroy us all if not for the grace of the Lord to protect his own. They are so depraved and seeking to ruin the church, and we must beware of Satan and his stratagems at all times. Even though they know they're coming to eternal torment, punishment, they still, will, uh, they still do rebel against God and, and hate his people. We need the grace of the Lord, even as God kept in his kindness. Not that the holy angels needed forgiveness, of course, but they are kept by God's favor uh, in their holy state. And we look to Christ returning with the holy, glorious angels to bring all believers to that life to come. Again, beloved, we have such a wonderful, glorious God and Father who cares for us, calls us to worship, and has provided for his people in every way uh, that could be done. He has done it all, and so he invites us to worship and to pray to him. So let us join together in our time of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercies. You are the faithful God. Yes, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The eternal God, you have always been, and you have done all things well, creating the universe for your glory, and you made mankind in your own image, and how marvelous that is, that we are to reflect who you are, even in thinking and doing things, we are to be creative and so forth, all those things that uh, you called us to do, to have dominion in the earth, and yet from our first parents we fell away from that glorious calling. And uh, we need the Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom you promised immediately at the Garden of Eden. Yes, your eternal plan is being brought to pass in Christ. He is the one, the, the blessed seed of the woman who was protected, certainly, and who lived that holy life and gave himself at the cross. We cannot fathom what the Lord Jesus did there, bearing hell for all your people that we would have forgiveness, righteousness, and everlasting life with you. So we do give you praise and honor, O Lord our God. We thank you, and we have that great assurance of your word that the Lord Jesus will return at the final day and gather all believers to everlasting life with you. Even now, he intercedes for us and has sent the Holy Spirit to grant repentance and faith. That We have new life in him, and we want to see it and show it even more and more. So we ask you to forgive our sins. Cleanse us of all our transgressions. Lead us instead in your right ways. O oh Lord God, may we acknowledge that we are sinners according to your commandments, but having redemption in Christ, we are thankful and we want to live according to the, those commandments in gratitude to help us to serve you then as a congregation, as families and individuals. and Help us to hear your word as we ought. Help me to proclaim it. May the word of Christ go forth here and Everywhere this day where the word of, of Jesus is proclaimed, that it would have great effect, its power would be shown in, in converting sinners and sanctifying, building up your people. We thank you that you are so faithful to do that, O Lord our God, as you promise, and you promise that glorious world to come, that we rest in your grace even now, thinking of that. We, with all our denomination, thank you for the synod meeting this past week, and and your directions there, even though we can have disagreements on various matters, we know that you do guide your people, and, and we pray for the gospel to go forth for your glory above all in all our churches and mission settings, both in our nation and, and foreign missions, Philippines and Africa, elsewhere. I do be with uh, Grace Reformed at Greeley and Reverend Blair and, and guide them for the future. He intends to retire at the end of December. We pray for your guidance for that church also in that way to have a, a, a pastor uh, that they can call. Um, do be with Christians who really around the world, especially those who are persecuted for the faith, that they can be strong witnesses unto you, and that many more would be one to Christ, that those persecutors might be brought to repentance or uh, brought to a uh, stop of what they're doing. And we just pray for your guidance. Be with our country, O Heavenly Father, and certainly with the pro-life uh, movement. We pray for the Supreme Court that would very soon give uh, uh, 
a judgment, as it were, on Roe v. Wade and overturn that, that evil judgment. We pray for your direction that you would provide and protect the unborn and human life would be valued again in greater measure. We pray for a great revival in our country to bring that about. If those who need your healing mercies and comfort, those who've lost loved ones, we, we thank you for uh, Reverend Johnson being at Synod and your mercies to him, recovering as he has so far from the stroke. We pray that would uh, proceed, O oh Lord, according to your goodness, and give classes, wisdom, and guidance to the, uh, to give guidance to the Lincoln congregation. Again, we thank you for your faithfulness and answering prayers for us. We thank you for being with Alicia and Zach and the boys, and thank you she is at home now, having finished the treatments. How we pray those will be effective indeed, as uh, as thought they are being, and, and that the uh, next scan will show that the tumor is gone. We pray for your direction, relieve any comfort, discomfort, and pain, and uh, just uh, guide and be with each one of them. They would seek your will. And, and that Zach will have uh, good employment in your time, and you'll provide for them uh, in that way also. Be with Aaron and Paul, the children, and show your mercies, O Heavenly Father. You might bring a cure, cure her of the cancer. We pray for that. Pray any treatments she receives will be effective. Thank you for what has been done, able to breathe uh, better than at times. And uh, when she's had trouble with that, we pray for your guidance be with them and, and provide for them in every way, spiritually, physically, financially, and, and that you would be honored, O oh Lord, to do that. Uh, we do ask for your mercies. And we cry out to you. Please hear our prayers, and, and uh, we pray you'll hear the pl- prayers of our denomination, our, our congregations who've been asked to pray for her and family as well. Uh, we have Luke Wright in Pennsylvania, deliver him from cancer, and pray that uh, everything would be proceeding for his health. Oh, Lord, according to your goodwill, be with the Nilsons, be with uh, uh, health matters and work. And as Jerry will be going to Florida in about a week, we pray for your guidance. Be with all of them and their children. And uh, Certainly we pray for uh, rain in your time. You continue to direct for us. Be with Joshua and Hadassah. And thank you for a new position for him and raise in that. We do praise you, O Lord. We pray for your protection, certainly for Supreme Court justices, and and that, again, they would rule well and and, uh, soon. Thank you for your faithfulness, Heavenly Father. We do pray for your continued blessings with the Garner congregation as well, and uh, show your peace and your mercy that they are to have new officers elected, I I think, uh, this next Saturday, and uh, guide the classes in caring for them and that they can uh, certainly be directed by you and, and remain in the RCS according to your, your goodwill. Thank you for your faithfulness. Help us serve you in, in this election year. We pray for your mercies and for godly candidates to be in office. Help us again to hear your word, guide and direct us, help me to proclaim it, and that we would be edified. We do pray all this in your Son's holy name, for your glory. Amen. Let's turn then to hymn number 294, The Golden Gates Are Lifted Up, as we again think of Christ's ascension and the glory of God that was proclaimed and shown there, 294, as we stand to sing. Make for us a place. 
passage for the sermon today is Psalm 68, the first 20 verses. <clears throat> In Psalm 68, starting verse 1. Psalm of David. Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered, let those also who hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But, the, but let the righteous be glad, let them rejoice before God, yes, let them rejoice exceedingly. Sing to God, sing praises to his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds by his name, Yah, and rejoice before him. A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. O God, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth shook. The heavens also dropped rain at the presence of God. Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. You, O God, sent a plentiful rain, whereby you confirmed your inheritance when it was weary. Your congregation dwelt in it. You, O God, provided from your goodness for the poor. The Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those who proclaimed it. Kings of armies flee, they flee, and she who remains at home divides the spoil. Though you lie down among the sheepfolds, you will be like the wings of a dove covered with silver and her feathers with yellow gold. When the Almighty scattered kings in it, it was white as snow and salmon. A mountain of God is the mountain of Bashan. A mountain of many peaks is the mountain of Bashan. Why do you fume with envy, you mountains of many peaks? This is the mountain where God desires to dwell in. Yes, the Lord will dwell in it forever. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of thousands. The Lord is among them as in Sinai, in the holy place. You have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. You have received gifts among men, even from the rebellious, that the Lord God might dwell there. Blessed be the Lord, who daily loads us with benefits. The God of our salvation, our God is the God of salvation, and to God the Lord belong escapes from death. Now, you know, when, say, a verbal conflict between sinners escalates, it may sadly come to a boiling point, as often seen in, say, old Western movies. That is, if one is seated, the two are arguing, the other may say to him, stand up and fight. And the opposite we can understand also, as with military or police, if they're told to stand down or cease their preparation for attack. 
Well, knowing Israel was to conquer the promised land of Canaan, Moses called upon the Lord God for that victory. In fact, each time God led forth the Israelites in their wanderings in the Sinai wilderness, Moses did that. As in Numbers 10.35, it records that he said, Rise up, O Lord, let your enemies be scattered, and let those who hate you flee before you. Likewise, in this psalm, David calls upon God to arise or to stand up and fight for Israel. And the Lord God did so again and again for his people, fighting his and their enemies, always doing so righteously. And of course, Almighty God won their victories that they could not have accomplished. And yet, above all other battles, the triune God won eternal victory. In the Lord Jesus Christ, as he went to the cross and willingly laid down his life, yes, our blessed Lord Jesus did that, of course, to conquer sin, Satan, and death, and his resurrection proves he accomplished it truly. And then, by his glorious ascension, we know Christ went to heaven to rule the universe. His victory was proclaimed there to give greatest assurance concerning all he will do yet. And so today let us consider here God's victory foreshadowed and fulfilled in Christ. And secondly, how believers partake in Christ's victory. Now many think this psalm is one of the most difficult, as it could seem, most difficult to interpret, saying it contains a number of seemingly disconnected statements. So it seems. Yet as a psalm of David, it was perhaps first written for the time that he brought the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. Otherwise, it can regard the Ark's return after having been taken into battle, literally or figuratively. At any rate, the certainty of God's victory for his people is proclaimed, and of course, that he is to be worshipped, therefore. Yes, there was the ultimate victory is thus foreshadowed, and it's foreshadowed to be fulfilled in the greatest saving work of our God at the cross of Jesus. And for that, the Father, Son, and Spirit will be worshipped forever, of course. And so we see God's victory foreshadowed and fulfilled, even as he fought for his people. Again, as Moses said, rise up. He said that when the ark was to lead Israel forward. And this psalm certainly recalls that journey in the wilderness. But you see here it ends ends with the procession into the sanctuary, verse 24. At Mount Zion, or at Jerusalem, verse 29. So David looks through all the history up to that, that God has worshipped at the city he chose. And indeed, God's glorious Rain appeared with David's throne there at Jerusalem, for the Lord had defeated and scattered Israel's enemies. He used David and his people in that way and provided the victory. And in that sense of those being defeated, kings brought gifts, verse 18, and they bowed before the Lord's footstool, meaning the Ark of the Covenant. So it was called. Well, the greater victory of Jesus, you know, is thereby foretold over all the spiritual enemies of God and his people. And his ascension is not to a mere earthly Zion, but to heaven. And the great victory of Christ was first shown, though on earth, as by his casting out of demons, healing multitudes, and redeeming sinners like us. Redeeming sinners. And think of it, when the enemies of our Lord came to arrest him, as in John 18, they even fell to the ground when he first said, I am he, or literally, I am, when they asked for Jesus of Nazareth. And then three days later, the guards were scattered when he arose from the dead. And so, yes, beloved, our Lord's ascension is plainly foretold here. Clearly it is. In verse 18, you have ascended on high. But even before that, notice in verse 4, it declares that God rides on the clouds. 
Well, you know, one of the Canaanites' false gods was Baal. hear that name often in the Old Testament. And that one, the pagan said, was supposed to be, or was called, Rider of the Clouds. He supposedly controlled the storms and so forth. And, of course, then they prayed to Baal to send rain and thought they were dependent on him for their crops and so forth. But David knew that only the Lord God of Israel had right to that title, and that God rides the clouds, as said throughout the Old Testament. And that again foreshadows the ascension of Jesus going up to heaven with clouds. Also, Christ is called Yah, verse 4, or I am, as it is. The one who rides the clouds there too. For you and I can know our blessed Lord Jesus Christ is the self-existent, eternal God who keeps covenant with his people forever. This is who our God is. Just as Jesus was made known to be at his ascension. And so fellow Christians, you and I must have great comfort and boldness in him for our Savior is on his heavenly throne. He rules now. Oh, think also how the Almighty fought for his people in their land, as in verse 5, being a father of the fatherless, a defender of widows. And likewise, think of Jesus in his earthly ministry. He helped those who were weak and defenseless and rejected by men. And he brings us and all believers to his holy habitation, even to our eternal heavenly home. Yes, Yes, praise to his name. Again, all of that was foreshadowed with the exodus from Egypt when God brought out those who were bound into prosperity, verse 6. But the unbelieving, the rebellious, dwell in a dry land, as said there. And that it can also point to the rebellious Israelites themselves who wandered in the Sinai desert for 40 years because they didn't trust God. Uh, we need to be warned, but also comforted that we are to trust him and see his blessings providing for us. Well, obviously, a, de- a desert is not meant as a welcome, comforting place to live. And when we have droughts today, we are certainly utterly dependent on the Lord's mercy. <coughs> of course, we are, and to pray for that. And yet, brothers and sisters, think how much worse it is for those who reject Jesus Christ as they live in a spiritual desert. They are banished from God when they do not submit to Christ the King. Oh, also in the time of the judges of old, God also fought for his people. Verses 7 and 8 here use words like found in Judges 5, 4 and 5 in the Song of Deborah regarding the Lord's victory over the Canaanites. And in our verse 8, when the earth shook, that describes his awesome victory, obviously. You can think of that when some people have gone through an earthquake and they experience such power. And yet all of Israel at once knew this. When God caused such a shaking as at Mount Sinai, when he gave him, gave them his law, and at times thereafter. Again, the earth truly shook when our Lord Jesus fulfilled the law, and there was an earthquake at his death and at his resurrection. Truly, brothers and sisters, God moved the earth to show that our salvation rests in Christ alone. And that forgiveness of sins is found only in him. Yes, the Son of God had shook the earth in Old Testament times already when fighting for his people. And so your and my eternal redemption, it was foreshadowed and fulfilled in him. Again, how thankful you and I should always be for that salvation, whatever happens to us in this world. That victory is also declared since we share in God's glorious victory. 
Verses 12 and 13 speak of a victory with so much spoils that those or she who remained at home would share in it. Well, as far as a dove described, that reminds me of some beautiful birds seen lately with the feeders put out at the parsonage. In any case, there is a Middle Eastern dove with a copper-colored neck that appears as gold in the sun. And that is said to be the figure here. A figure even for the rich spoils in fine garments that the women of Israel could put on and exult in at times when they shared in God's victories. Yet how much greater is it, dear ones, that we share in the glorious victory of Jesus Christ being freed from enslavement to sin and the devil and how you and I are to long for and seek the day of Christ with the ultimate glory of our perfection in heaven and then heaven on earth, a new earth. Oh, then all the remains, all the remains of our sin will be removed. Thanks be to God. Though formerly vile with sin and its guilt in ourselves, we shall be spiritually and morally white as snow in our experience. For you see, Christ's ascension guarantees that glorious victory in which all believers will share. Now in verse 14, the scattering of kings, making it white with snow, speaks of spoils left as well. For when enemies were so routed that they threw off their armor and their spoils, they just threw it down and ran, there's an expression that it snowed spoils. In any case, we ought to be most confident that Christ's victory for the salvation of his people is utterly complete, for it extends to all the universe, of course, everywhere he subdues Satan on our behalf as the Lord sees fit. Well, it talks of other mountains like those of Bashan, verse 15, and some of those mountains, they were greater, more majestic to man's sight than Zion, being only a, a little hill in comparison. Yet there at Jerusalem, of course, is where God chose to accomplish our Lord's sacrifice at the cross. And his resurrection and ascension were in the same area for the greatest victory and eternal glory of the Lord. And therefore God dwells, as it were, at Zion forever, as said here. After all, the effect of that victory secures his church for eternity. Again, dear ones, this world, this world may seem strong and majestic, and there are enemies to Christ's church, and they threaten us. Some may threaten your very life. Certainly there are believers throughout the world who are still persecuted unto death, whether under the threat of Islam or other religions. Yes, the world may seem that strong and all, but the grace, by the grace of Jesus, his church is superior to all the world. He chooses the lowly and humble and makes us through regeneration to rely on him. And then we share in his glorious victory. So when by faith we know Christ truly, then you and I have nothing else to fear. Really, nothing else to fear. Also in verse 18, God freed his people from oppressors time and again, and he subdued those captors, even making them to bring gifts of tribute to Jerusalem. Above all, Jesus brought freedom from the captivity of death and hell to all the faithful. Therefore, you can be assured, you can know, of course, Satan and all his hosts cannot make us captives again. In unbelief, we were held by them and would have never been freed without Christ's saving work. But let us now rejoice always that he ascended and he rules from heaven to keep us, keep us for himself. Yes, brothers and sisters, we do share in God's glorious victory in Jesus 
And he has subjected all things to his government, even for our sakes and our eternal good. And therefore, as promised in Romans 8.28, we find that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Again, let us trust Christ, always. In fact, whatever happens to believers in this world, be it sudden or tragic death, persecution, suffering, loss, whatever, our saving king reigns in heaven. And he will work in all things for our ultimate good, our eternal salvation, even to be conformed to Christ's glorious image. Indeed, that greatest victory was foreshadowed in Israel's history, and its fulfillment has come in our Lord Jesus. And so that perfection awaits all his true followers. Thanks be to God. Then consider more directly how believers partake in Christ's victory. Well, this psalm has been used in connection with Pentecost, or the giving of spiritual gifts, as quoted in Ephesians 4, 7, and following. And it it foretold, this psalm foretold how believers partake in Christ's victory in that way as by the gift of the Holy Spirit. As Peter declared in Acts 2, the greatest benefit for us from Christ's ascension is that he obtained the right to give the Holy Spirit and thereby to grant spiritual life and faith. And with the indwelling spirit, believers are even made God's holy habitation as in our verse 5, that God indwells us. The Holy Spirit lives within us. How amazing. And of course, every spiritual blessing that we receive is from our Lord Jesus. He marches on in the wilderness of this world, verse 7. And he leads us forward with the gospel in order to conquer. Not just to say, well, here's what you ought to believe, and I don't know, you're just all going to reject it. No, to conquer where God wills. Some will be one to the Lord till the last day, and all sin, all rebellion against our God, we must oppose in our own lives and in this world. Certainly then the Lord's victory must be seen more in our lives as you and I turn away from sin and follow Him in greater measure. The grace of God and the Spirit that's power of God, promise to bring it about. And yet, yet so often it seems there is little victory in our lives if we are honest. What are we to do then? Well, you and I must call upon Christ the more earnestly. Even our catechism tells us when we see the law and we haven't kept it, to cry out to him more earnestly, to depend on his power, even as the psalmist did, to trust and obey our covenant-keeping God. Now, truly, let us each dwell on the salvation we have, fellow believers, that you and I may show greater thankfulness for it, even to serve Christ gladly. Then we will be more obedient with true gratitude. That is what the psalmist did repeatedly. They thought of what God had done for them and how they would live in response, thankfully. Indeed, they rejoiced in God's victories and in all his provisions. And truly, you and I will be more thankful when we call to mind all that God in Christ provides for us. That includes all things necessary for body and soul. Again, especially the provision of God's own spirit with spiritual life, faith, peace, and every blessing. Truly, as the Almighty promised and gave word of his victories again and again in Old Testament times when accomplished, we are to speak of how believers partake in Christ's victory by the gift of the Holy Spirit. Lastly, we'll do that by advancing God's kingdom. As you know, men and women of Israel told and sang of God's victories, which they could never have accomplished on their own. Examples of those victories are such as over Pharaoh, Sisera, Judges 5, and over Goliath, and on and on. They sang songs about it. And now all Christians are, were made to be as prophets for the Lord, to speak and live for Jesus, to serve in God's kingdom. 
After all, having the eternal victory of his own resurrection, the Lord commanded his church to do just that. It is his great commission for the church everywhere. Even as he said in Matthew 28, 18 and following, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So then, dear ones, may we each bear witness to how Christ, having all authority, conquers even rebels like us, rebels like us, to gladly serve him in thankfulness and joy. On the other side of that, of course, we are to warn those who remain his enemies. For our Lord will certainly cast down all oppressors of God's children, all unrepented persecutors of his church, and he will cast down all the unbelieving. Of course, Christ said we are to pray for our enemies, those unbelievers. Let us do that, certainly. But this psalm also teaches that you and I are still to pray against God's enemies, against their hatred toward Christ and his kingdom, as we pray for them to repent or to be silenced otherwise. And really, you and I can know there's, there's no true strength in them. For those who persecute the church cannot harm our souls nor halt God's kingdom from advancing. Jesus promised the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. So let us pray for him to bring the rebellious to repentance or that they will be judged as he sees fitting. Truly, beloved of God, we have nothing to fear, as assured in verse 17. For the chariots of God can speak of his angels, which do Christ's bidding. And you know, each angel has immense power to do that. I was amazed that when the Assyrians came to the walls of Jerusalem, and one angel went out and killed 185,000 of the Assyrians in one night. One angel. And there are thousands of thousands of them, it says here. And just, you know, 1,000 times 1,000 equals 1 million. And so there are millions of angels surrounding and worshiping our Lord and doing his will, advancing God's kingdom. And so as John Calvin wrote, it is only in our unbelieving hearts that the least danger in the world weighs more with us than the power of God. Indeed, the power of God's kingdom is in Christ who received that kingdom and all gifts to distribute, verse 18. Again, Paul summarized that in Ephesians 4, 8. When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And so, dear ones, our Lord won the victory over sin, death, and the devil, and he gives us the Holy Spirit that we turn from our rebellion against God, that we trust him instead in repentance and faith and eternal life. So granted, the kingdom of God advances. That's what his kingdom is about, that we repent and believe and have life in the Lord, redemption, and it advances in the lives of all those whom the Father has given to his Son. Therefore, we know that Jesus opens the gates of heaven to us, to all believers. He will continue to win victories, even in our experience. He will increase his church and his kingdom in this world. He will show the glory and grace of God. If our denomination struggles, well, he'll give growth elsewhere, as he determines. Yes, for all of this, you and I must trust our Lord and Savior. So may we each be advancing God's kingdom with our prayers and praises. Let us rejoice, for example, in our daily blessings, as said in verse 19 and following. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. For truly the Lord loads us with blessings from heaven each day. Let us not forget it nor fail to thank him. It's so easy for us, 
you and me, to take things for granted. But we're to praise him for every moment, every breath, every bit of food, every blessing. And after this life, as in verse 20, the Christian's escape from death is made absolutely certain. For the resurrected Christ, our forerunner, has gone ahead of us. In heaven he rules and gives us such great comfort and assurance that he will take us, his members, up to himself in glory. So our catechism assures also regarding his ascension. And so indeed, fellow believers, you and I have eternal victory in our crucified, risen, and ascended Lord. For he does all things well. By God's Spirit and for his kingdom, may we each speak and live to his praise more and more. Amen. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, how we thank you that you have brought this salvation to pass. It was foreshadowed in the Old Testament. It's fulfilled in Christ and it's carrying on even now, even as sinners are converted and those who have died in the faith, gone ahead of us, or have entered that eternal glory with you, that holy habitation. How we praise you for such mercies, such love and grace, and your promises which cannot fail. You're that holy, faithful God, and we partake of your victory even through Christ. How we thank you for this redemption. He has won. May we show our gratitude more and more, and live for you, and speak for you. Do all things to your honor and glory in greater measure. Help us indeed to point sinners to Christ who need that redemption, as we certainly all do. Guide and direct us for your honor and your praise. Forgive our sins. Lead us as your people as we long for that last day when Jesus will come from heaven and gather all the faithful to everlasting life in a perfect world to come. Thank you for such promises, O Lord our God. Do be with us, we do pray, and help us to serve you. And now we do pray together, as Christ taught us to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And let us now give of our tithes and offerings to the Lord in thankfulness. Let's read our last hymn, 295, Crown Him with Many Crowns, as we stand to sing.
song. Awake my soul and sing of him who died for thee, and hail him as thy matchless king through all eternity. Crown him the Lord of love, behold his hands and sight, rich wounds yet visible above in beauty glorified. No angel in the sky can fully bear that sight, but down his burning eye at mystery so bright. Crown him the Lord of peace, whose power a scepter sways, from pole to pole that wars may cease, absorbed in prayer and his reign shall know no end, and round his pierced feet, fair flowers of paradise extend their fragrance ever sweet. Crown him the Lord of years, the potentate of time. Creator of the rolling spheres, ineffably sublime. All hail, Redeemer, hail, for Thou hast died for me. Thy praise shall never, never fail throughout eternity. receive the Lord's benediction. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Him above the heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated.